podcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Baby Got Backstory podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. If you're a graphic designer or a student of graphic design, then you are well aware of today's guest, Aaron Draplin of the Draplin Design Company, based out of Portland, Oregon. You might have even been one of the thousands of people who pack into auditoriums to hear him speak as he tours the world. Yes, the world, ruminating on everything from design, his family, his career, and politics. Don't even get him started on politics. But if you're not a graphic designer, you still might be familiar with Aaron's work. If you've ever snowboarded, picked up a copy of Snowboarder Magazine in its heyday, loved an old Burton Custom, put on a cold beanie, ridden a skateboard, used union bindings, worn a Nixon watch, looked at a poster of the Obama administration or the space shuttle, or experienced any cool logos, then you probably know Aaron's work, you just may not have realized it. He's also secretly made stuff for Richmond Fontaine, Esquire, Nike, Wired, Patagonia, Target, Ford Motor Company, and Woolrich. He's also the creator of those nifty little field notes notebooks that you see in the front pocket of just about anyone creative and cool. You'll see his picture in the show notes, but Aaron is an imposing force. He looks exactly like the factory workers, yard sailors, and craftsmen he talks about in this episode. This is no fancy designer, folks. And Aaron is Aaron, which means he's brash, funny, sensitive, astute, thoughtful, and as you're going to hear often today, believes in just doing the work. I was first introduced to Aaron by my good friend Mike Arts a couple years ago, and I have been smitten with him ever since, and today I feel honored to call him a friend. We both grew up in Michigan and are about the same age, and we're connected through many, many friends, where the common theme seems to be that it's people that hail from the great state of Michigan and those that like to get after it. Aaron Draplin is a bit of a branding world celebrity, but it wasn't always that way. This is Aaron Draplin. So today's guest is Aaron James Draplin, the proprietor, I think you'd like me to say that, the proprietor of the Draplin Design Company. Uh, And they are known for rolling up their sleeves in the Pacific Northwest and making stuff for brands like Cole Headwear, Union Binding Company, uh, Esquire, Nike, Wired, Simply put, Aaron is recognized as one of the preeminent designers uh, in our our generation right now. Uh, He's been embarking on a worldwide speaking tour and has written an amazing book called Pretty Much Everything that chronicles his life's work. Uh, And Aaron, so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, man. That sounds great. How are you do some PR work for me? <laughs> you, make, you, make, you make it easy, man. So tell me a little bit about uh, Draplin Design Company. What is it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a graphic designer here in Portland, Oregon. Um, it's all third person only because I met too many turkeys who took themselves a little too seriously, right? And it turns out they didn't have a receptionist. It was just them in a basement, but they were pretending to be bigger than they were when I was in Minneapolis. So I just always thought that was so funny because, you know, one, it's very tongue-in-cheek for me to say the draft on design company, it's just me. But, of course, it's not. It's my girl, Lee, who helps me do all the shipping. 
Um, every now and again, it's a buddy that will weigh in on something I'm working on to give me, you know, four eyes or six eyes or better than just my two, right? But really, this is a study um, in independence and trying to get away with a life where, you know, um, I make enough money to live and take care of all those around me, uh, but do it on my own terms. And that might not necessarily mean clicks, likes, links, cool awards or any of that shit. It's, it's paychecks that are a little bit different. Uh, sometimes when it's when, you know, working for your buddy's heavy metal band, it's just cool to get a stack of records. I'm absolutely open to that. I'm absolutely open to doing work for just frankly, no money. Now that's going to make all you marketing people cringe and stuff. But, but the idea is you, when you look at my work, you'll, I, I don't put a price tag on it. I just kind of say, here's something I did for a buddy. And when it turns out that it was paid 25 grand, I don't need to you know, talk about that either. The idea is if the work is strong enough, hopefully to elicit a response and I get hired for the next gig. So I've been, tricking graphic design for a whole bunch of years into hiring me. And it's purely from, well, a basement or an overpriced shop downtown or now a studio in my backyard and trying to keep things as simple, as manageable, as unmesswithable as possible, you know, paying my taxes, um, saving all the money for a rainy decade, that kind of stuff. But really just a pursuit and uh, not getting caught with the carrot stick kind of thing where uh, uh, you're forced to be around a bunch of people you don't like for a big paycheck. Um, I can make a, a good paycheck and be around my buddies. That's the idea. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that sounds like uh, what, what most people are going for. And, you know, I, I noticed that you use certain words very, very carefully. Um, you know, you talk about the work and making things and keeping things relevant. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that that really comes out of your your upbringing in Michigan. You know, we both have this this uh, Michigan background, uh, yeah. and we both live you know out here in the West. You in Portland, and me in Boulder. Uh, yeah. But you know, there's just something special and strong about being a Michigander. And um, you know, if you get it, you get it, and if you you don't, you don't. Uh, but can you can you take us back there a little bit and start from the beginning and talk about your upbringing in Michigan and you know how that might affect how you now approach your work and, and see the world of design? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, you know, God, you talk so well, Mark. You're pretty, pretty well trained. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. You know, there's no credentials set ahead of time here. So this is good. I, you're impressed. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, we come from limitations and that the limitation might've been when I was 17, you can't get a skateboard deck every week because you have to work your job and you have to pay for these things. I mean, my mom and dad couldn't just really go pop for it, you know, so there was a limitation there. And the limitation was, you know, you have to save for it and you have to pine for it and you have to plan for it and you have to work some sucky job for it, right? If that was the limitation, well, I, I knew how to work around it and I just knew how to accept it. And, and, and instead of lamenting that, you know, I couldn't get whatever I wanted right then and there, I just had to kind of like, you know, nose to the grindstone. So there is this weird Midwestern work ethic shit that haunts me to this day. That's why I work so much. But it it started where when we were young kids and it was like every one of your buddies had a job. That was non-negotiable. So when I'm out in the West now and I meet, you know, I'm trying to be gentle here, but moms and dads who have, you know, little kids and stuff and, 
And they're like, well, I don't want my kid to have to work when he's in high school. It's like, that is just dangerous. You know, like must be nice that he doesn't have to go. You're, you're, you're creating a monster. We didn't have, we didn't have any choice in that matter. We just had to go do it and deal with it and be gracious and do your job and do your, you know, if that even makes sense. And that kind of haunts because I don't know how to come down from that all these years later. Every job that comes down the pipe, I'm weighing it against some goofy thing that, you know, I don't want to say a trauma, but just something where it was like, when I was 17, I clearly understood I was going to have to make my own way. My mom and dad didn't quite have it. And it was, that's, there's no animosity there, but I just knew I was going to have to make my own little way. And it's all, it's all right. But it was like, you, you get this kind of fear in yourself to like, I'm never going to screw things up. So, you know, I'm good with my taxes. I'm, you know, I try to be, you know, um, a good citizen and stuff because I'm just always kind of waiting for it to go away. That's a very Midwestern art form. You know, I, 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 I didn't really have a situation where I could just kind of screw things around or screw up ever really. Cause if I did, you'd lose your standing amongst your friends. Or if I did, your parents would be pissed off at you. So, you know, a lot of the ways I make decisions these days, it's always, you know, like it's very frugal. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, the, the word conservative is such a shitty word now because it just goes right to just horrible people who voted for that monster that we have now. Well, that's too bad. But, you know, where I'm from, conservative is a different word. It's, it's people who make decisions and really think it through. It's, it's maniacal sometimes, but it's in me. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good about not uh, getting myself in too much hot water. You know, I know that doesn't maybe come off that way as, you know, you've met me, you know, a handful of times, you know, a monster animal I am, but no, it's all pretty chill. That just, you know, I won't accept any of this stuff. Like uh, when I'm working and I'm, I'm, you know, you know, I don't know how to say it. It's like uh, people are really good at saying no. Oh, I won't do it for that price. I won't do it for that creative freedom. This is my time. Like right now I'm dealing with a bunch of contractors and one of, you know, the guy's a real good friend of mine, but because of that, we've been supposed, you know, there's people coming to paint and there's things and stuff. And here's the deal. A guy was supposed to come today. Now here's the deal in Portland, Oregon. It's a, you know, it's a contractor's thing. You don't like it. Go get someone else. Well, the guy's not here painting today. And I was told he was going to be, you won't get that out of me. If I told you the shit was going to be done that day, it is very rare that I won't have it figured out because I'm afraid I'm not going to get that job again. I'm afraid that you're never going to hire me again. And it is just, I can't believe that that guy's not here today. Like he better be sick or something. <laughs> I hear you. I yeah, I mean. It's like, it's bullshit. I, there's no deal. I'm not getting any deal. I'm paying the big price, the big, completely unscientific fucking price. That's kind of like, and he's not here today, and I'm the one who's waiting. So this this part hurts, and it's like, okay, now, yes, I'm airing on my dirty laundry now, but it's just kind of like, I'm not allowed to do that with logos. I was never allowed to do that with my job. You know, you remember the kid who would, like, swear at teachers? Remember that guy? <laughs> you're yeah. Like, you're like, oh, my God, this guy, he's going to the principal's. I was never allowed to be that guy because that's not what civil people do, you know? And I had that in me either from my mom and dad or whatever. Well, I am not allowed to be that guy who either is late on a job or 
complains about graphic design. I have no complaints. Things are good, you know? So it, it can kind of haunt because then I'm, um, you know, on the flip side, I'm working too much, you know? Um, but that is a long-winded answer of, like, why I kind of work the way. But, you know, the examples are, like, I don't want to break anyone's heart ever, especially my own. And I just won't let it happen, you know, that kind of shit. So I don't know if that even makes sense. But it, it hopefully it would illustrate the sickness, kind of how hard I work, you know, and, and don't really succumb to this, like, oh, I need more balance and shit. Listen, I'm no pillar of health by any stretch. But – you can't take a bag of balance to the bank. Good luck. You can't even try. I got ahead because I took every damn job. And that purely comes from this Midwestern nervousness that this could all go away in two seconds. You know what I mean? Which is probably nuts. But I just meet people who just prance through shit and they're like, no, I'll be all right. And it comes to find out they got a paycheck from some like family fund or something. Of course they're going to be all right. What happens if you're like everybody else and you don't have that shit? Well, I'm one of them, you know? Like, so, I don't know. Don't cry for me too much, but... <laughs> I'll wipe my, my eyes over here. <laughs> you know, it's so hard cashing all those checks, right? Drafting, blah, blah, blah. No. Well, I don't know. That, I, I Hopefully that just sort of illustrates some of the megalomania because no, that's I, the way it goes. You know, for you. Yeah, it's perfect. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you articulate that because I also have that nervousness that like, Hey, the other shoe's going to drop and I better just keep plugging or else it's going to catch up with me. I saw you, the people. Yeah. Do you think that I that's ingrained that. in us through our culture from that Midwest work ethic? Or can you go back to maybe a defining moment where you, you know, you talk about when you were 17. I mean, was there a moment? Just the idea that a guy would like do the whole, like take this job and shove it and just walk out of a job. I thought I would get a call to my mom and dad. And they would be like, I had a great relationship with my mom and dad. And the idea that, like, it's not that he was even fighting for anything. He just had, he just didn't give a shit. He just went for it. Like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's like, there's just a part of me that, like, that's probably a good thing for an employer to be like, oh, he's a good little, you know, company person, you know. But no, I just, I don't know. I just have this part of me that's like, you know, it's like this, there's like this blind, I don't, I'm trying to articulate it because, you know, you're dealing with like a, you know, a guy that's, and he, you know, it, it's, I'm not trying to disparage the painter guy, but it's just more like I'm bummed today because I'm waiting. I was told something and I'm waiting. I'm not allowed to do that. I took the money and I'm going to, I'm going to make it work. I took the money. They are going to get the service that, that they paid for. You know what I mean? And if there is no negotiable, you know, sorry, go find another designer kind of shit. No, they, they hired me. So if that means I have to work late, I'm doing it. So, and that just, that purely comes from, like, I never really, I only quit one job. And it was a Chinese restaurant and the guy just would not, I mean, I had, I had worked there the year before. And when I went back in, I said, well, I'm back. What's my raise? You know, I'm, I came back. You, you asked me back, you know, scratch my back and I'll, I'll be here every time. I, you know, I wasn't a kid that missed work ever. And he was like, no, you get paid what you got paid last year. And he was like, no, no, no. I, I, I missed other jobs so I could come to this thing. I'm out. And I just walked out. It was real simple. That's one of the first times I ever stood up for myself. But I think a lot of it is just examples of, like, people going off the deep end that just, frankly, scared the shit out of me. You know? And you're like, oh, no. I I've never want to be the guy compromised who can't pay all his own bills. Right? And I will never be that. And if that, you know, I, I – 
I just had to accept a lot of that shit when I was a kid and say, well, this is just my little lot, you know, like it's going to be kind of rough and there's not a lot I can do about it, but how do you get through it? Well, you work hard. How do you get through it? You're not allowed to go pissing away and drinking, fighting, screwing, you know, concert tickets, this, that, and the other. No, I have to just buckle down and pay my bills, you know, like, so I have all these weird little like um, Mount Everest, you know, that I had to climb. And one of them might have been like paying off credit cards, you know, shit like that. And I did all that stuff. I'm so proud. And so maybe there's some vanity there, but I did all that stuff proudly, you know? And it wasn't this thing where, um, I don't know how to say it, you know, where like when I got to the end of like owing money on a credit card, that was a really emotional thing for me because I had accepted, purely accepted that this is just how it was was going to be you know if that makes sense like it was going to suck i was going to be paying tons of interest and that was the best i was going to have it and you know the funny part is i was okay with it because that's a midwestern art form just to be able to accept the shit that kind of sucks right 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 you know so i used to go up to alaska i don't know if you ever went up there mark but you know i'd go up there and you get up there and there's all these happy hiker no there's nothing worse than someone who just you know, Nalgene bottles and all that shit and all happy and nice. And then you're stuck with them for the summer. And it's okay. I just wasn't, I was a scumbag skateboarder and snowboarder. And I just knew how to just do my job and just get through it. I mean, they weren't bad people by any stretch. But, you know, I knew how to do my job, if that makes any sense. You know, I just I just knew how to buckle down. Now, I've been, I've had punches taken at me by, uh, you know, foreman and all kinds of shit. That doesn't really happen in graphic design all that much, but it does happen when you're a tree trimmer in, in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that that get it done, that down and gritty sort of work ethic, does that come from your father? Well, I mean, just yesterday I was ruminating on something here in Portland. Yeah, sure, sure. I just, he was always a project man. You know, when he finally passed, I have to say we are saving a lot on groceries. But when he finally passed, you know, and it, it's, it's horrific and all this stuff, he had so many projects that were going. He always had something creative in the works. It was always really kind of cool, you know. And I just saw him, you know, get home, take his pants off, and make good use of his time around the house or around the whatever, you know. It was cool. And um, I, I always loved him for that. That It wasn't this thing where he just plopped down and, you know, watch TV or what, and that, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but he wasn't really that kind of guy. He, he always had projects, and, you know, towards the end of his life, he always had a birdhouse he was building. So definitely there's some of that from my dad, you know, seeing him, you know, make good use of his time and, and do could, you know, he was a self, he didn't have a lot, you know, as I come to find out. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily the mark of someone cool, but he had, creativity and he, you know, all these cool things always going around on around the shop or around his, you know, his garage or just enjoyed making stuff. So that, you know, yesterday watching my, my contractor, Robbie, who was, you know, as a buddy of mine, face a little adversity, like something just wasn't working. Well, he just knows how to go get the piece grinded down and figure it out. Right. Right. Just, just figure it out. And like, it really scares me because here I am, you know, proud that I make a living. And yet I don't, if, if a window broke around the shop here, 
I would go on an app probably, embarrassingly, and try to find someone to fix it for me, right? What a privilege. And yet my dad, I just know what he'd say. You go down to the Ace Hardware and you ask the guy how to fix your window, right? Okay, right, right, right. Well, I was trained with that, you know? And now there's, you know, I just ruminate on like, oh my gosh, am I embarrassing myself here because I should know how to fix these things, you know? And that's, that's like the next phase of my life is not letting the screen devour the shit out of me, you know? I need to go outside. I need to go get dirty. I need to get a sliver. And that all comes from my pops and my mom, you know, like just how she works around her little you know, garden and stuff, you know? I have a really cool mom. I, have a, I had a really cool dad and so thankful for both. Um, we never really had a lot, but it didn't. Who cares? You know, you know if that makes sense? You know, it's like, I didn't know we didn't have a lot. <laughs> they were cool. I mean, you know, you see people who have a nicer car when you're of that age or whatever, but I never really, I never really cared. You know, they were, they were just kind of cool, you know, and it, they were good to us. And we had Legos and shit and love and, you know, all the basics and, you know, whatever. And we had all that junk. And you didn't really know that there was some kind of other world out there that like people had, you know, more stuff. You know, my dad would always just kind of say like, hey, this is what we've got. And you've got to make, you know, don't take the thing. If you can fix the brakes, I'll help you. Know, I remember laying on my back in the snow, fixing the brakes on one of my Skyhawk, Buick Skyhawk in 1993. And we've got the phone out the window of our apartment. And my buddy's holding it to my ear. This is before, obviously, cell phones. But my dad walked me through how to change the brakes on my car. And like, who even knows how to do that anymore? You know what I mean? Like, if I, I don't wanna not know how to do that stuff. So that said, that work ethic, it's, it's no different if I'm trying to figure out how to solve a logo or whatever. I'm pretty good at staying on it, you know? I get past all the weepy shit, and then I'm pretty good at like, getting the stuff done, guilting myself into like, I'm not going into that house and Netflixing it up until this shit is done. <laughs> you know, which is probably just insane to think about it. But anyway. uh, Sounds like amazing discipline to me. Like what, what's your, what were your parents' occupations? What did they do for a living? Uh, my dad was an interpretive dancer. I'm lying. <laughs> so, my dad sold, you know what? We don't know what he did. No, sorry. This is a three hour podcast. He was a tool salesman and he was a bullshitter. You know, he was out meeting these guys and he sold industrial tools to, um, you know, um, places that would like, they would get a gig and they would make the part that would hold, you know, some Chrysler or something. It would be like whatever little part um, holds the windshield wiper, the, the wiper to the windshield wiper apparatus. They were, you know, tasked with making that little part. That's what, my dad, they, they needed to make the tooling to press and stamp that little part out. That's what my dad sold to. So, uh, um, you know, he was, yeah, tool salesman. So when I would go with him and see him out there, he knew how to talk. He knew how to laugh. He knew, you know, if it's 1986, well, he would have known, uh, you know, some horrible Crispin McAuliffe joke or something, you know, something terrible like that. But that was, there was a currency to that stuff, you know. He would have known whatever topical joke was going on at that time. He would have known that stuff because he was in these, you know, these tool shops with Harley guys 
And some of these guys straight up were, were pretty hard scrabble. You know, they weren't these wispy, when he would go up to the front and, you know, the mean guy would like take the order down. Well, my dad knew how to handle that guy too. You know what I mean? Like he just knew how to like kind of put him at ease too. When my dad passed, we had a lot of these guys coming to his funeral that, you know, my dad was with all those years, you know, and I really got to see that like, this wasn't just like this customer that would come in. I mean, I knew this. No, my dad was one of the guys in a lot of ways, you know? And so, yeah. And my mom, um, you know, for a number of years there, she was doing some secretary stuff. That's when she, when she met my dad, she would have been a secretary, you know, for Chrysler. They didn't really go to school. They, they, they kind of couldn't. She took care of a bunch of little brothers and sisters. Um, my dad took care of his mom. So we always kind of had that hanging over us of like, hey, if you can afford this and go, we'll help where we can help. But, um, you know, we'll do our best. And I kind of, you know, they, they tried, you know, and, and, and it was cool. I, I did go, but I, you know, I had to pay for the shit, you know, which is, is totally fine. But they didn't get to go. And I, I was kind of always reminded of that. Like, we didn't really have this opportunity to, to uh, you know, uh, kind of go out west. And, you know, they, they traveled a lot as kids and they did a lot of cool stuff because they were both working people. Um, my dad worked at, a, uh, you know, when I was little, I can barely remember my dad working at a steel plant. He was an electrician there, and he made really good money, right? And what that means is, like, he knew how to get himself fired. So if he was going to Vail or whatever the deal was, he knew what buttons to press to get himself fired, and he'd already have the tickets, you know, and they, they put him on some administrative leave or whatever, but he was a good worker, so every year he got hired back, you know, and he knew when to kind of get fired so he can go out and get the good ski season, you know, and Aspen or whatever. So I always had that bug in me of like, oh, like my dad's like kind of part grifter and like kind of sketchy. Now, how, what do you mean you knew how to get yourself fired? You still had to play the game. You know, in the same respect, you knew how to like empty the sandwich vending thing for one quarter and feed the whole lot, you know, like feed the whole plant for one quarter. That was like my dad, you know? So I don't even know if that even makes sense. What was the question again? Something academic, but I probably screwed it up. Pretty sure you answered. I mean, I know you, I know you were very close to him and you're with him when he passed and that's yeah. a whole nother story, but it really, it really appears to me and you can, you can tell me if I'm on track or not, but you know, your whole design aesthetic, you know, the merch you sell, the flat brim hats, you, you know, uh, many people might know this, but you're behind the field note notebooks, you know, you have this like blue collar aesthetic that really feels to me like an homage back to this world that you just painted for us of industrial tools and um, working at plants. And I mean, is that really, you know, am I on, on, on point? I find that, you know, it makes me like a little um, uh, emotional that you pick up on that because I mean, really, have to be really careful that it doesn't become um, 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 basically a parody, you know, because frankly, there's nothing blue collar about what I'm doing. Um, I have tax planners. I have, I have, have um, 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 you know, I have to worry about the court. You know, I, I have to be, I, I earn money and I have to be good about it. You know, like I, there's like, um, it's the idea that my dad could laugh. It's my, the idea that he could go and talk to the guy who's in a rough spot and then go outsmart the guy who ran the place because his dad gave it to him. 
if that makes sense, you know? It, you know, it's, my dad didn't need to be buddies with the guy that had everything. My dad was buddies with the guys who kept, in a lot of ways, America running, you know? He didn't need to go buddy up with the cool one who might get him more. You know, he was, I don't know how to say, there's like an allegiance there. So my dad comes from blue collar jobs in Detroit. He didn't have any other way. We were always kind of, you know, sketched out by that. But see, when I got into graphic design, it was really kind of wispy. And there was this quality of like looking down on other people, you know, like, oh, that's what they do. That's what my team does for me. Like, if, you, if anyone listening says, well, my team does this, it already tells me kind of what you're like to work with. Because if you don't use the word we, and you're, you're looking down at the crew, I'm just not down with that shit. I never had that opportunity to be like, my team does this for me. It was always very naturally, yeah, we're up to this. We're doing this. This is how we're going to do it. I, no one needs to know if I'm the one who you know has to go to the, the principal at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never heard my dad, like, kind of big league people. Because he just, he just didn't need to. He fought for the little guy. He In Home Depot, when someone's being mean to the woman behind the counter, like that's one thing in my middle age at 44 years old, oh, I'm starting to snap. I have no problem. If some, some dick's being mean to the guy, to the girl in Target, you know, behind the counter, I'll just do the, hey, back off of her. Now, what happens if he came and got in my face? I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. But I'm, I'm, my dad was always that guy to kind of be like, you know, fight for that, you know, just fight for that, that kind of person. So, you know, when I had a factory job one summer, it really scared me. And, and you know, to the extent of what a factory job looks like up in northern Michigan. Now, interestingly enough, the year before I had that factory job, I used to deliver to this factory, my pizza job before I moved out west. I used to deliver to this pizza, this pizzas to these guys. And I remember as clear as possible. The night shift ate at, let's just say, 8 p.m. And if you weren't there at 8 p.m. for that whistle, they were, you were getting calls and they were complaining because you were cutting into their time off from, the whistle, you know, from whatever their shift. So the idea was we'd have the pizzas ready and the order ready at 7.45. I was only a couple miles away and I would get there and I would wait. I would wait. And then it would be like 7.58, 7.58, and I'd run in there, the bell would whistle, and they, these guys would come out, and they wouldn't even acknowledge it. They would just eat their food. It scared the shit out of me. This is just in northern Michigan. They were so mean if I was one minute off. And I was never. I was good about it. But I remember when I got in that place, watching how those guys would treat people, and it scared me because there's nothing really poetic about being mean all day long. That's kind of blue-collar to me, too, you know? And, you know, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's like what scared me about graphic design was like people weren't afraid to kind of like, I don't know how to say it. You know, you just I didn't I wanted to be able to talk to the guys in the back who are printing my stuff as much as I was talking to the person selling it to us up front. And I just always was really cognizant to say thank you to all those guys in the back and everybody in the back. You know what I mean? I watched my dad do that. But I went to press checks where the principal would basically snap their fingers at him. And that scared the shit out of him. It's like, wait a second. Those people don't, no wonder our stuff's not done right. You're pushing them around the wrong way. You know, this kind of shit you're thinking while you're standing there. So, you know, if I can laugh, if I can be the kind of, okay, here's like an example of where this stuff, I don't, I don't know if I call it blue collar, but I would just kind of call it like 
nuts and bolts get the shit done. One of the privileges I have in this business is that there's timing and people and bells and dings and fucking meetings about meetings and emails about emails. And that's starts to become a rope around your neck. And the idea, like when I, I remember one time I worked for target and it's this big job and they're professional as the day is long. And when the woman called me to say, okay, we've got a list of changes. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, so could we see these, we have three changes. Could we get, could we set up a call to talk through these changes a week from now? And I was like, well, why don't we just talk about, well, I don't have time right now. We have to set up a call. So we did this. A week later, they call me. We go through the changes. And then she says, okay, how's your schedule looking in the next two weeks? When can we see these changes implemented? And I had to say to her, you know, Sparky, I could have, we could have had the phone call last week. The psychic energy to wait for this shit is just embarrassing. I could have had the changes done on the phone last week. So two weeks ago, we would have been done. We would have been done. And I just leveled with her and she said, wow, aren't you quite the deal? Aren't you, you know, where the hell did you come from? Because she's used to people playing that game with her. I won't do it for this price. How dare you ask me to make those changes right now? I just came from this like kind of pizza job kind of thing where it was like, like here, here's why I'm a good person and a lot of people suck. Are you taking notes, Mark? You ready? I'm going to tell you why. When I was on the train in Alaska and there were the professional chefs, I was a chef. My last, I was up there four summers. My last two summers, I was a chef. I was not a chef. I did not go to a, a culinary school. I did not, uh, that was not my passion, but I was organized. I didn't drink. I wasn't smoking, fighting, screwing or whatever, nothing that summer. I was just a good citizen, you know, and, and you know, just as good as all the Mormon kids they brought up there, right? Right? Okay. So when people would come back with a change to their order, it was not in my nature to go, I'm not changing that shit. They can just have it. If they want it medium rare, they can go, you know, whatever. I watched all those turd cooks make it rough on these, you know, these servers. And me and my, my other, my, my, my partner at the time, Tyler, he was like a, some kind of, you know, microbiologist just working his summer job to pay for college coming up in the fall. And he didn't have that in him either, you know. And we were good. We got the job done. And we got tipped out better. And people liked us in things like this. And I was so thankful. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm seeing that. I saw it at the factory. Now I'm seeing this. It was just people being dicks, you know? So the idea that like in that target moment, I didn't know any other way than to just be completely accommodating because I thought you'd lose the job. But you see where people fudge this stuff, you know? And that's terrifying to me. So I don't know if I'm a good person or not, but I do remember that and being proud of the fact that we would refire the prime rib. <laughs> that even makes sense. Is this even interesting? I mean, maybe I... Now, who'd you have last week? You know, I don't know, Elon Musk or something. And now you've got me. And now we're getting, we're already over time. <laughs> no, I, I, I find it so interesting. And what I, what I also, you know, just listening to you talk, Aaron, is that, you know, you're, you're very self-aware about this meanness and this kind of um, unfriendly uh, vibe in the, in the whole blue collar world. But, you know, your personal brand, you have this kind of, playful hey i'm a mean guy like i'm i'm gonna get, give you a growl and you know i know you and, and then i think you come around off of it and you're typically like you know, I'm, I'm a big playful teddy bear but you you like to to play with that tension between 
you know, that growl and that photo and, and being a big hulking, you know, blue collar kind of, uh, uh, persona as well as, you know, Hey, I'm a good guy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fun and, you know, and so I, I just find it really interesting that you've picked up on that and integrated that into who you are today. I think it's just defined what the norms are. You know, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's like, I really, oh man, when I go to a, when I go to one of these speaking gigs, and the guys in the back who are waiting for all the talent to come up on the stage, it's a 50-50 that when I walk back there, the guys are going to go, sir, deliveries need to go to this side of the, of the stage. You know, <laughs> sir, you know, this is the backstage, you know, whatever. And it's like, hey, man, I'm keynoting this shit in like seven minutes. I'm supposed to be – my 19 notifications told me to be here right now, you know, whatever. Because he's doing a quick read. And he sees big, you know, and he sees, well, maybe gruff or whatever, but no, I'm a human being. You know, I carry my own bags. I thank every person who's in that backstage and that's where I'll win them over, you know, double. But that happens. And I just like defying that because my next set of buddies who come up and they're this or they're, how about this? Some kick-ass woman, you know, who's changing the way, it's not a dude's game anymore. I love that stuff because I know, I remember when it was a dude's game, you know, my friends were saying things like, you know, she'd say, Oh, God, I'll never get this job. And it's like, it's really frustrating, you know, but that's all changing. You know, it's, I'm really proud to be an advocate for that kind of stuff. And, and the same thing is just breaking things down, you know, and being really the word that I'm gunning for my entire life is comfortable to be comfortable in my backyard, to be comfortable on the phone, to be comfortable when I'm, paying my taxes and you know it's always really hard to do but to be comfortable when i work with a client i've had the job that was a carrot on a stick that was lots of money possible awards clout more gigs more stuff and the people on the other end were horrible and i learned real quick doesn't i don't care how much more money it is if you can't even stomach being around it's you're not going to do the right work but, you know, as part of my work ethic, I would never capitulate to that. I just kept going and going and going. And after a while, you realize you're sort of being taken advantage of sometimes, right? Stuff like this. And, you know, I mean, this is, it's just in me. You know, it's in me to be accommodating. It's in me to, uh, to really, to really, I don't know, you know, I want to be known as someone who works hard. You know, I didn't really have any choice. Now that I have a choice to have more balance and shit and like take a day off, I'm not good at it. You know, it's not good at it. I'm, I'm always going to be in the mode of kind of, you know, fight or flight. Think about, like you said, waiting for the shoe to drop. Hopefully because of good decision-making up to this point, if something did go bad, I'd have my stuff kind of solidified, you know, and I do, you know, so that comes from being freaked out. You know, I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but it's, it's true. You know, yeah. Well, and, and let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you, you really, you know, got your start, you know, working for really cool brands in the outdoor industry, snowboard brands, skate brands. You talked about your work ethic, you know, that that's become your personal brand uh, to a certain extent and which is really cool. I mean, how do you, how do you maintain that relevance? How do you, you know, get your arms around staying relevant? What, what does that mean to you? Well, I will say one of the things that we wrestle with 
and I, I hope it's a healthy battle is to just be like, you know, like five years ago, at the end of a, of a hell of a run, 10 years with coal headwear and 10 years of union binding companies, the union binding company, I had to just basically say, you guys are just not the right guy for this anymore. You know, I, I can't stomach looking at another snowboard binding. I don't use the language. You're not going to see me up on the hill, quote unquote, you know, being out there and doing it. That is a, such a different time in my life. And I am nervous that I feel in off. I don't feel the, there's not, a, you know, when I was fighting for snowboarding, that was an authentic reaction to how we fought for the brands. But when it starts to become shooting fish in the barrel, that's really dangerous because then I'm going to start phoning shit in and I will never be that kind of person. I can't allow my, I, I can't with a good conscience, you know, and that's not how people operate ever. You see some, you know, some, it's not sure for the most part they do, but you'll, you'll see ones that slip through the cracks that always scared the shit out of me. So to understand that I was being allowed to work in snowboarding. Oh, we were going to kill it. There's no, you know, we were going to, I mean, how lucky are we to be in this? But I also got to the end of that and said, okay, if I'm a 22-year-old kid saving all winter long, excuse me, all summer long to get his, his snowboard, and I find out that whoever made the graphic on this thing just doesn't care about my plight and my interests and my language and my bands, and he's just getting a paycheck, I, I would have been bummed because when I bought my shit from Burton, you really felt like in 1989, they were one of us just who knew how to make fiberglass and shit, if that makes sense. Right. So this weird kind of thing where I, like, I had to remove myself from it because it was like, you guys, I don't want to be 45 years old squirming every time I hear someone use the word dude, you know, around a bunch of dumb fuck snowboarders i was that guy but i'm hopefully i'm refined now but no i just knew that like there's another group of kids and they can go do this stuff so there was a bit of a torch passing of the torch and that and you know like which is terrifying because here you fight to get the awesome thing and then you have to go fight for the next thing which was basically to make my own little path you know and start getting myself lined up to where it was like if I want to make a fun poster for myself and just sell it on my own, am I even allowed to do that? I wouldn't have done it in those years because I thought you just had the good job and that was enough, you know? See, you know, I'm good at following the rules, right? And then the, in the same respect, getting back to my, on my own time, breaking them all, but never to be embarrassing, never to hurt anyone, or never to smite, you know, my, 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 the boss who's, you know, giving you the privilege to work all day. None of that stuff. It was, you know, I just knew like, if this was the job, I'm going to do the job. I'm going to work hard during the day. I'm going to go home and I'm going to find my path at night. So it was hard to get to the end of some of those things and say, you guys, I'm not the right guy anymore. But, you know, you see opportunities. A, a year ago, guys wrote me and said, Hey, help us with our snowboard brand. And, it was instinctual to me just to say to them, I'm not the right guy. The money's great, but that money's going to go so far in the hands of a, even a 30-year-old. I'm not the right guy. And you guys, I did it to a point. I, I, I was on the mountain every day I could be 
from 93 to 98 out in the, <clears throat> in the West. Before that, when my pizza job was done, we were, you know, up at the hill in Northern Michigan, every time with all our buddies, all the time, all the way back to what, 86 or something. You know, when we finally got out West, we made that our focus. You know, it's scary that, you know, I, I just did, I, you know, we talk about relevant. When someone looks at my work right now, you know, I hope it feels like seasoned with a 44-year-old little spice. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't look like, you know, hopefully it doesn't look like I'm 22. I'm not. You know, so I'm, I, I, need, I need to be pragmatic and be like, hey, if there's some young buck that can go do this better than me, let him. Because I fought hard enough and was hopefully creative enough along the way to where um, I built enough that pads me from some of that shit. You know, so I'm pretty good at saying I'm not the right guy for your jam band. And boy, if there isn't anything worse than a jam band in Colorado, I don't know what. Oh, that stuff's the worst. But I'm pretty good at saying I'm not the right guy. It's okay. You know, I mean, case in point, I'm doing a poster right now for Dave Matthews band. And I had to tell the guy, you do not want to search my name with jam band. He was, you know, the guy was just like. Dude, I don't care who you listen to. We just like your art. You know, it's like real businessy. It was cool. And I, it was a lesson for me because it was like, damn, I can go tweak what I do to make, make it look appropriate for that night of fans who are going to see Dave Matthews. Am I going to go to that thing? No. But my art can show up there. Now, if the Flaming Lips called me, I'd be all over it and crazy and excited and everything else. But that doesn't that's not going to happen. I'm, gonna, I'm a fan, you know? So there's just this like weird thing where it's like, I knew in my potent years that I better save my money because when it starts to wane, I don't want to be going to battle with 21 year olds when I'm 55 or something. You know what I mean? I want to be hopefully set up enough not to be a millionaire, to just to be a good solid thousandaire, you know? And so far, so good. Unless I die. Like, what if I die right now? Talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, we don't need to get into the story and, um, you know, but I do know that you were with your father when he passed. Um, you were sitting right next to him on an airplane. Yeah. And that was incredibly impactful to your life and I'm sure very emotional. But how, do, how does death show up for you? I mean, you know, I, do you think about it a lot? I mean, you're talking a lot about age and kind of looking at the other side of the 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 fence there and in, in terms of life, like how do you feel about death? I'm terrified. Well, I'm not terrified of death. I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, since dad died, it's like, wait a second, wait a fucking second. When I step out of this shop I'm in right now and I step on an ant, you know, like where does that ant go? Does he go to ant heaven? You know? So it's, it's, it's kind of these issues of faith. Of, that I've been wrestling with, or just existentialism. Where do we come from? What puts the words in my mouth that you're recording right now on your podcast? What puts the, I don't know, is, is it me? Is it fate? Is it will? Is it just happenstance? Are we all just stardust, which is very poetic? Or did someone create us? Is it a him? Is it a her? Where did my dad go? Is he just energy? He just dies? Will I see him again? I've been wrestling with this shit. And some people... Their entire lives, they'll never even think about it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, you know, I, I think about it and I freak out about it and I nerd out and I stop and I look up at the sky and go, wow, man, I'm 44. I made it all these years. 
And what happens if you know, something was to go wrong tomorrow? Well, I'm okay. You know, hopefully I live to 74, or maybe 104, who knows? But the idea of like, well, I'm not 24 anymore. So I better be like, I better be wrapping my head around shit like, let the money go now to build a record wall in my shop because what? I might get it when I'm 64. I might not even be 64. I better do it right fucking now. Like that kind of stuff. Now, I, I, all those years when I was making decisions to say things like, well, I'm not going to go piss away in my summer because I'm not allowed to. Well, I might start pissing away some summers. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, or, or falls for that matter, or whatever. Because it's kind of like, I was a good little diligent worker just out of fear for a lot of years. So just, I mean, I joke about this. What if I was to die right now? Shit, because that happens to people, you know? And I think about it. I think about health and I think about timing. And I think about, you know, when my dad died, or where does, you know, some scarier stuff of like, well, the certitude I ran into was so pompous. You know, someone, I don't know, you know, an aunt, whatever. I'm not going to name any names. But, you know, someone around the family that just is like, well, your dad goes to heaven for this many, you know, for purgatory for this many weeks. Then he goes to Catholic heaven at this point. And it's like, where'd that ant go that I stepped on? What, ant heaven? No. You know, you have no idea. And no, and no one else does. And then how dare, you know, you, you come and tell me that you have, you're so certain, certain. So like this morning, I don't even know what it was. And, you know, a turd beetle. I don't even care what it was. It was some kind of shit beetle, and I took the beetle off, off the, uh, the cardboard, and I let it back onto the earth. Now, I don't know if some bigger thing comes and eats it, but that, you know, fine. But I didn't squash the shit out of it and just be cool with it. That's something direct with my dad. Like, I don't, you know, like I think about, I remember this very beautiful, and, you know, everything I've said up to this point has been complete bullshit, but let this one moment of clarity ring true years ago when I heard this thing about how Buddhists or something are cognizant of every life form on earth, how they eat and how they give respect or something to the things that, you know, that if I slap myself right now on the beard, do I kill a bunch of gnarly little bacteria and parameciums and shit? No, that at least they're cognizant that there's life everywhere and that you take it and it, it comes and goes and you be gentle when it's a bug or something, you know, and I just, there's just something so beautiful about that. So all spiders now, you know, I try to put them in a water bottle. I try to shoo them out or whatever, you know, because it's just this kind of thing where it's like, you know, to see a friend have a sick child or to see someone get sick and die and not be able to fix them, the shit's pretty fragile. Now, I know this has nothing to do with marketing or graphic design or logos or, you know, your story, my story, whatever, but it's just kind of like, I got to think about this stuff. I cannot just be like just freewheeling and everything's going to be cool. No, shit's going to get weird. And as we get older, the numbers get weirder, you know. You know, when you're 22 and you know 100 people, one person out of the 100 has something bad go down. And it's usually because they made a bad decision. You know what I mean? When we're – you take 100 people at 44, and I don't know how – you know, Mark, you know how much older, whatever, you might be younger than that. I don't even know, but – Take 100 people at 44 years old, there's going to be a couple divorces. There's going to be some mental illness. There's going to be um, some bad stuff, some sickness. The kids are going to have a hard go. Someone can't have kids. There's just a lot more things. And that shit really, I'm in awe of that. 
You know, if that even makes sense, I don't sound that nuts, but I'm just in awe of that and just try to stop myself hourly and go, shit's pretty good. I'm lucky instead of, you know, try to make a buck today, I'm going to go jump on some good liberal whatever the hell and spend some money to impeach that turd, something to that effect. Or I'm going to make sure that if I see someone who needs a little bit of help, hopefully it's instinctual that I stop what I'm doing and go help the person up. Like they do studies where someone trips and they watch how people just look at them and walk by. If you're that kind of person, whoa, rough. If your first reaction is to stop and go help the person up, you know, what does that say about just humanity, right? right, right? So I've been thinking about this shit, you know, and just about like, instead of making a buck, and you know I like to make a buck, what other kind of paychecks could there be? You know, you know, maybe it's um, volunteering around Portland here. You know, I don't need any more cash. I've got enough. Sure. Make it. It's fun to make it. It's fun to pay. It's not fun to pay a lot of taxes. But um, I've been thinking about this. I've been wrestling with it. I've been, because I don't have the answer. You know, I would, you know, when I was nine years old, just so you guys know who you're messing with, I got in trouble at catechism and shit because I would challenge these teachers and say, but wait a second, explain to me eternity again. I'm nine. You just go forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Well, how does that even, you know, don't you get tired of it? You know? And they gave me these, you know, these cloud-like answers, fluffy things. And I would just come to the way, you know, the physics of that. Does your, you know, I, would, I just challenged them. I, I would, it would keep me up at night, you know, wrapping my head around these like fairy tales and shit. So, you know, at 44 years old, I don't know what happens if I go right now. I hopefully I was a good person and, uh, I was somewhat ethical and, you know, helped a little old lady when she needed help and, you know, helped a little kid when he needed help or anyone for that matter. You know, I don't, I'm rambling. Okay. Rope me back in. I'm rambling. <laughs> well, Rope no, me. it's great. I mean, I think that, you know, where this really comes back to is our conversation about relevance and all this perspective. And as we get older, I mean, that's how you stay relevant in both your art and your life, right? It becomes yeah. this idea of, you know, you have so much more experience, you have so much different of a worldview uh, from when you were 22. And, and that's how you maintain relevance as you continue to go out and, and put your art out into the world. Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't know, you know, it's like, it was really hard there for a bunch of years to make a living. And then I figured out how to do that. And now I want to figure out how to live even better. You know, what yeah. does that even mean? You know, maybe it's through compassion. Maybe it's a, such a shitty town in America. And I, I don't know if you want to, I don't spell out. I need to name, you know who, but it's just like the scourge, the scourge. Instead of me making a poster to make fun of that piece of shit, I would, I've been making things that just, I donate my time, my efforts to a, a breast cancer awareness or some good bleeding heart liberal thing or even a good bleeding heart moderate thing, whatever. If, if Instead of making a middle finger, I want to make things that say peace. Instead of making things that say down with this, you know, cheeto or whatever, I want to make things that say love each other, you know? And when I'm on the road and I say shit, you know, on that stage where I, you know, Someone boos when I work for Obama. And I'll go, ooh, we got a couple Trump voters in the crowd, huh? Tell your daughter who you're voting for. And then these guys, then you shame them. Because it's not about, you know, like, like, you know, I don't know, middle of the road or whatever. This is about, like, pulling the wool over people's eyes. It's getting the froth going. So I, I'm, I'm so freaked out that I'm, I have so much hate in my heart, you know? 
And I'm trying to look at ways that I can creatively loosen myself up, feel good about, you know, not about a paycheck, but about, you know, making things that people look at and go, oh, that's cool. I want my kid to have that on his shirt. And, and, and therefore, all the proceeds go to help this scary disease. More and more and more of that shit. You know, I've been doing a lot more of that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we always start our story process, you know, with this idea of backstory and we've been talking about that some today, but you know, the next level is to really get into values and beliefs and to say what you believe in and what you value and put it out there like you just did. I mean, you know, it as well as anybody, you're going to attract a lot of people that believe the same and you're going to offend some people, but at least we know where you stand. And that's just a, a key component in communicating your story. So I, you know, I take my hat off to you and, 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 you know, salute you for, for taking that stand and, and planting that flag because so many people today are just beige and, and, and afraid of offending or want to please everybody. And that's well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll be very honest when I say I can't go and, you know, I, I would, every morning I want to cry my eyes out when I read what that piece of shit said. You know, it's the new normal now. And if I put what I want to really put on my Instagram, you get people coming after you. There's The veneer is gone. The veneer is gone. Now, you know, if I say, wow, I vote for human rights and I vote for equality, I'm like a bad guy. That is amazing. You know, someone comes and corrects me. Would you understand how many people are pouring over the border? <sighs> no, I don't. I don't, you know. And I, I mean, I, I'm first to say it, but it's like, I have to be careful with some of that shit because here's, here's the policy. I try to keep myself positive. And even though I'm saying a bunch of dumb stuff on here, I try to keep my life positive. But if you come on my stuff and you leave one of these shit comments, you're not only deleted, you're, you're out. Because I just know the nature, you know? And it's like, I don't want those. I want people to enjoy, well, you know, what I do and vice versa. Like, well, not I'm right or they're wrong or we're come to the middle no, you're associated with some rough people who have no problem, you know, pinching their nose and voting for that turd. I can't, you know, couldn't do it. So I, I can't do it. I don't know. No, no. But what I will say, you know, you mentioned uh, getting on Insta and you're quite active. And uh, I encourage anyone who's listening to this to follow Aaron on Instagram. It's a, uh, it's a great feed to get on. And, you know, what I notice about that is you just seem to genuinely love design, line, colors, you know, you're always putting a post of an old paint can and their color and the mark and the font you're admiring. And you really are a curator of those um, visual identities of those marks. And, you know, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I, when we talked, you know, I think that all comes from your, your backstory and your history and, and, but you just, you seem to genuinely love it and have an enthusiasm for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, my, my dad you know, would work on these, like, you know, we didn't have a lot of modern furniture. I had an uncle who was a modernist. I had an uncle who was, like, a vivid engineer, my Uncle Tom, and he had, like, Eames chairs and shit. Right around. You know, it was awesome. And, uh, 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 I, you know, I would go to his house, and it would be floor-to-ceiling glass on one end of this modernist, you know, mid-century home. So I, I was around that stuff, that sensibility of restraint. And I had that. We went to my mom and dad's. Um, it was Victorian oak and beautiful and rescued. So I had that as part of it. On, my, on the flip side, what I grew up around, when it went into my dad's shop, it wasn't this orderly thing. You know, we used to always joke, you know, area man dies when, you know, you know shelving collapses on him from, you know, his little workshop, you know. They didn't find him for two weeks or some shit. Because, um, you know, 
it was awesome and it was dirty and it was wild and it was fun. And that was, you know, that was sort of what it was like around my dad. So he had this, always had this appreciation for like, you know, I wouldn't say the finer things, but just sort of like things that are well built, things that like really work. It took a lot, like all that oak stuff, that Victorian, it took a lot of work to tool and craft and carve out all that shit. So he just, he could not handle someone painting over it 19 times. So when I was growing up, you were always smelling paint stripper. So my dad was, you know, unearthing this old stuff. And to this day, my mom is sitting on mountains of cash because all those old, I mean, who, I just hope that someone will appreciate, you know? Okay. Where that comes into this, like, love for this stuff, my dad was always, like, collecting little tchotchkes and things and badges and stuff. And he would say, like, look how cool this patch is on, 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 on my backpack, you know, something that he got in Europe when he was a kid or something, you know. And I, it's just in me. You know, he used to joke, I just want one of everything as a master Polish pack rat. You know, so, yeah, you know, there were some dads. You could, you know, my dad used to call me and say, hey, Aaron, guess what, asshole? Guess I was digging in my garage. Guess what I found? I said, what's that, dad? He'd say, a wall. <laughs> so, you know, some dads, everything's in the right spot, and that's just fine. But my dad wasn't like that. It was like an adventure to go be around all that shit. So where does that show up today? Well, you know, I, we, my girl will always say, you're sounding real hoardery. You're sounding real hoardery right now. Be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Because when we were moving into the shop, here's a big stack of paper. Do you know what I could do with that stack? I'm not gonna do shit with that stack of paper. You know what I mean? It's just gonna, it's just gonna, it's just gonna be in a pile somewhere. And you know, I'm I'm getting better at letting those things go. But you now my dad, he just saw the beauty in this stuff, and it it definitely transferred to me. I mean, really, it's the randomness of the universe. If you want to get really big, and he used to we used to joke about this shit. He'd look at me and he'd go, "Hey." You see that yard sale sign? I don't want to go, Dad. I want to go home. I got to get to my job. I want to go, you know, I want to get home. I want to relax before I work or whatever it is, you know. I want to, you know, lay on the couch a little bit. You know, no, 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 no. Come on, we got to go. Aaron, this could be the one. What do you mean the one? You know, and he'd kind of think, uh, well, what do you, what's he into right now? Okay, Aaron's into skateboarding this summer. No, whatever. <laughs> he'd be like, Aaron, just think of it. Some kid died in California. He went out there like you did. He died. And that the, 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 the municipality of his town has to send back all of his shit to his parents in Michigan. And they don't know what to do with that stack of skateboard decks that are a buck, you know, or something. And here I'm going, ooh, that sounds pretty good. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Okay, let's go, let's go. And we go to this yard sale and there'd be a bunch of fucking baby clothes or whatever, you know, and then he'd be all pissed off too. But he always had this way of like messing with me to like, get me to get you excited so now you know we'll be out going to estate sales and sometimes i don't go to these estate sales to buy things it's just to look at how and savor how this old guy oh it's so sad like built his garage or had all his tools set up like i want to know how to put my tools on a wall when it's my turn and i'm getting close you know what i mean I don't want to have to call the window guy and be like, come and do it. And then have an expert show up and look at me and size me up and go, yeah, it's 800 bucks, but it should be 140. You know what I mean? That shit happens. And it's like, I want to be able to fix the damn window. You know, I'm a, I'm human. And I go to those things to get like reminders of like, well, of my dad or like people who knew how to take matters into their own hands. Like my, my buddy, Robbie, my contractor here, 
Robbie knows how to fix shit. It's it's cooler than any you know company owner I've met. It's cooler than any you know I don't even know how to you know what I mean rich person or something. Robbie has control of his entire universe on that corner of the block, and I really look up to that. You know I don't know if that sounds a little too romantic or dramatic, but um, you know that comes from my dad and appreciation for craft and appreciation for you know when you get into a somewhat academic way of looking at these logos my dad looked at a piece of oak in a different way and i look at a piece at a logo in a different way i see longevity i see beauty i see craft i see good moves i see things that work at the size of a dime and then also work in the back of your jacket you know and those just are frankly the pillars of corporate graphic design that's not a bad word in that respect um it worked on the side of a plane and it worked uh in a factory you know and then of course you know I love the unsung heroes. I love things that are never going to see the light, and yet we're going too fast and we miss them. And then you point a little bit of light at something, and it becomes you know heroic. This person who was never thinking about being in a book or something. No, they were just doing their job. And the best example of that is when you go to Nebraska and you go, you're in Omaha, and it's as cool a city as anywhere else, and you're in Omaha. And you go 10 miles in any direction out of the city into the first cornfield. And on the edge of that cornfield will be a little sign with a, you know, three or four color little logo that says so-and-so seeds. And that is perfectly unpretentious, perfect graphic design. It tells you what's in that field, what's being planted, what the, you know, the farmer's doing. And that is graphic design too. You'll never see it as, you know, more and more, I'm only going to see shit that's at one of the events I go to or uh, I don't want to say elitist, but just elite situations like sometimes a, a library or even like a, you know, some kind of museum. Sometimes only certain people can afford to even get to the library or go to that kind of museum and get, you know, afford to get in. And, you know, I love my favorite things that I celebrate is like shit on a beer label shit on some little like electrical box that no one's ever seen but some designer who was not cool was not even calling themselves a designer they just made the thing work what i find really attractive is functionality way more than fashion i like shit that works and that's hopefully the way i talk and the way i work and the way i make a logo and the way i Oh, put the records on the wall here and my new record wall here or anything for that or make a decision on my Instagram. I like things that are humor, you know, that do the job. You can laugh at them or you can get deep with them, you know, but I don't, I don't like, I get freaked out by things that are purely just for fashion. You know, and I, I dabble in some of that junk too, but it's like, it's, it's frivolous. It goes away, you know? So I don't know. I was raised around my, you know, my dad was a tool salesman. So first of all, we were raised around tool packaging. There's always that shit up against the wall in the garage and things and stuff. And then, you know, tool packaging is incredible. It's not meant to be cool. It's just meant to work, you know? Same deal there. If you could, if you could boil down what I do, I don't give a shit if it's cool or not. I just want it to work well. <laughs> there it is. All right, love it. So question I've been dying to ask you of kind of, uh, leads naturally to that. And, and I'm just, I, I want to hear your opinion. Now, this is a personal interest of mine. Is there really such thing as an original logo? 
Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's tricky. I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll be the last one to say that what I'm doing all day long is, you know, some, you know, some, you know, came down from the mountain of originality and just, you know, had it all figured out. You go deep enough in any which direction, you're going to find shit that overlaps. It just comes down to like, you got to get a little more, is, is the word myopic? You know, you got to like, instead of worrying about whether or not something's been done on the other side of the world or even the other side of your town, really think about where this thing's going to show up. So if you're a pizza place, go look at the other pizza places. That's who you're going to be battling, you know? If you're a pizza place, first of all, what the hell is the haircut and the vintage store and the something-something and the whatever, the Hoover vacuum place, what do they look like? If they're all monotone, be a lot of color. If there are lots of color, be monotone. You know what I mean? It's like just sizing things up. So doing some of those sorts of, like, filter treatments on a project, you can quickly get down to, like, you know what? i got to quit thinking too hard on this shit. Go with my gut a little bit and just kind of go for it and not worry whether or not something's been done 19 times because it probably has if you go looking. But, you know, I will say, you know, if you think of like a square and you, you dissect that square into a scrillion grid points, those little lines and shit can connect anywhere within that scrillion. And, yes, these things can be close, but there's certain geometries that just work well, you know, and, you know, 30, 60, 90, 45 degrees. And those things are infinite to me because with a computer, now you can do 41.2 degrees, but there's something not as pleasing about it. You know, there's something that your body like snaps to on a 45 degree angle and you get it. It, it makes sense. You know, something feels comfortable or uncomfortable. And it, that is where it's innate. It's just inside us. So, you know, with the, the logos and things I love, I just love stuff that's done with a limitation. You know, it didn't need to use a million colors. It used one or two, and that's pretty cool. And the best part about it is when it went on that T-shirt, you were only allowed to use one color, so it better work that way. Now we're in this world where you can make your Twitter avatar anything you want until you go get it embroidered, <laughs> and then you're in trouble. So I like thinking in limitation, you know. So to answer your question, it's like I just love stuff that constantly surprises me and goes, wow. I've seen a lot of logos, but man, she's got some good moves in there. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, you know, this kind of shit. So I think it's out there. If you go deep enough, I have a hard time with a lot of those games people play where they're like, well, that looks like the so-and-so from so-and-so. First of all, if you actually knew about the person, the guy's been dead 49 years, number one. They're out of business, number two. But come on. I mean, Who's going to even connect that shit? You know, it's beer. It's, it's clothing. It's whatever. Like, be pragmatic, you know, on how you sort of, you know, come slam on you or whatever. But I see it every day. Good moves that I've never seen before. So it's, it exists. I'm trying. Well, thanks, Ann. We're, we're at our closing question, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. But, uh, you know, most – uh, great businesses start from either frustration, desperation, or inspiration. Which one would you say applies to you and DDC? Perspiration. <laughs> that was quick, wasn't it? That was quick. That was good. That's even. That's going to be a new one on the list. Oh shit, man. Hmm. Oh man. Probably. I'm embarrassed to say, but probably some frustration. You know. Uh, you know, when you get the cool job and you think, oh, my God, I got the cool job, and then it doesn't really feel to be that cool, you get frustrated. 
And then you get scared. And I knew that I was a good hard worker. I was never going to challenge it. But then you start to get scared. You're going to get locked into something. So that's where I had to climb out of some of this shit, you know? So that was definitely from frustration, you know? Um, but I don't know. Inspiration's big, you know? I, I, it was inspiring me just to get myself out of the hole and then to see that other people could do it, you know, too, also. And then be one of them, you know? But I, I don't know, like along the way, just be okay with the fact that, you know, that um, it might have been the other way and just sort of be okay with that. If that's my little lot, I have to be creative with it, you know? So some of the early decisions, they were up being, out of being frustrated. You know, to go to Alaska to work for those four summers, the first summer purely was because I didn't have $10,000 to, uh, um, to buy a computer. I was frustrated. Largemouth bass. That's about the extent of things getting ugly. So, you know, to go up there, you know, I, I have a couple little holes in me that's like, oh, I probably should have went and tried to catch a salmon <laughs> or something like that. But, uh, you know, that was definitely out of being frustrated. You know, I was in this beautiful Western expanse. And we got to see the trust fund kids and we got to see the whatever the helmet. Well, it's not even worth mentioning. But the thing is, it's fine. That's just life. But when you don't have that shit and you're starting to see the writing on the wall, you either shit or you get off the pot. And it was like, well, I can just pretend that this is going to all happen or I can go up there, suck for the summer and wash dishes and cut my hands and, you know, deal with all these, you know, happy people who are pissing all their money away because on what? On, well, you. And they had great summers. But I was like, this is all, and then that's when I got free because I got the machine out of the way, I had the tool. There was no excuse then. Like, I remember that next winter, I didn't have a pizza job because I worked freelance all winter long. I remember I did my first job for 3500 bucks, and it was like, I did it over a weekend. And it was like, I just spent five months in Alaska to clear 9900 bucks, And I did damn near, a, well over a third of that in a weekend. Holy shit. I'll never turn my back. So, you know, the, on this stuff, you know, the idea that like, when I get these calls now, 10 days ago, I had a kid say, Friday afternoon, got 2,500 bucks to do this logo. Can you have it done by Monday? Yep. That bought my mom a laptop, you know, or whatever she needed. You know what I mean? Like, how could I ever say no to that? Where I'm from, we don't have those opportunities. <laughs> you know, maybe some people do, but I certainly didn't. Anywho, I don't even know if this sounds good. Hopefully this sounds good and it makes sense. You know? Oh, it's so, it's so good. And I wish we could talk all day. I have so many questions for you. And I'm just so fascinated with, with uh, your life and your process and uh, what you're doing. I've been lying the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in addition to our listeners connecting you with the Flaming Lips for some design work, what else uh, should, should the listeners out there know about you? You know, the, what kind of bands I like, you mean? Or No, no, no. I, this is your opportunity to tell people where to go to maybe get some of those. Like, today I saw you post oh on Instagram. Oh, my Insta, God, like I've been waiting the whole two and a half hours. Can I get a word in here? Oh, <laughs> shut up for a second. Okay, everybody, now that I got you, here's my big shot, okay? Stop what you're doing and go to draplin.com, D-R-A-P-L-I-N.com, and go. It's shit PayPal links from 1996, but still, there's cool posters, trinkets, hats, beanies, caps, pins, patches, 
decals, stuff, stickers, awesome decals, whatever. Go there and dig around. I know you got the money, okay? Go dig around. Now, if you can find it in your heart, go to fieldnotesbrand.com. Then, you know, $9.95. You know, break the ice with a three-pack with that neighbor you never talked to. With a three-pack of $9.99 field notes. Go check it out. $9.95. And then if you can re if you're really having a hard go, just go get the D go to ddcbook.com and follow one of the links to Amazon or something. Get the DDC book. 256 pages, 16.5 cents a page. Pretty good. We'll throw the cover in, okay? And then while you're at it, go dig around in my girl's feminist brand, Notes to Self. You can find it on my site and things and stuff. You know, go look at my Instagram. You'll see little posts. But my girl, Lee, is making all kinds of scruffy, cool, spirited, feminist little goodies. And that has nothing to do with me. She's just making cool shit. She's selling it in stores. Go check out her little goodies. Stuff for your daughter or your cousin or your mom or your little sister or whatever the hell. So, all right, everybody, thank you. And, Mark, thank you for letting me plug all that garbage. You know, if anyone needs any heavy lifting in the Portland area, I'm nine, you know, $100 an hour. I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. But uh, thank you, you know, and uh, and thanks for all, you know, for, for rolling the dice on me. You got it. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, and we'll link to all those resources in the show notes. We'll make sure you have access to them. Uh, I personally am a huge fan of the book. Uh, I've got my eye on a Michigan, 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 Michigan hat that just came out. I think it's super tight. Can't wait to get that. And, uh, you know, many of you are very familiar with Field Notes, and they have a great subscription option there as well, where you yeah. can go ahead and subscribe and get those delivered every month with really cool limited edition. Oh, uh, oh man, I'm not saying shit, but they are awesome. <laughs> So good. And they, they really embody that uh, workman aesthetic and every bit of those notes inside the cover. And so they're, you know, they're amazing. And that's where they're uh, originate out of as well. So Aaron, thank you. Thank you so much. This is such an honor. Like I said, we'll have to do a part two because there's so much I want to talk about, but we got to let you get back and uh, get moved into your new office and uh, making logos. Thank you, man. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you soon. Oh, you got it, brother. And that's Aaron Draplin for you. One thing we didn't get to cover is Aaron's creative process. He has a very workmanlike approach to his art and his design. And when I asked him about it, he was at first perplexed, then said, I don't get all these people who complain about being blocked. I'm blocked. I can't work. Do you ever drive by a ditch digger on the side of the road, leaning on his shovel saying, I can't dig today? I'm blocked? No, there's no such thing as ditch diggers block. Well said, Mr. Draplin. Well said. Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. I like big stories and I cannot lie. You other storytellers can't deny. Baby got backstory. You'll also find free story downloads and resources to help you integrate the power of story into your business. 